Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, you can also watch us simulcast on Stadium 32.3 or on 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111 on this. I don't, I don't know. Look, I'm tempted to say glorious simply because the Astros did what I always say, avoid the sweep. Um, there's, I, I, I really want to say on this somewhat troubled Monday morning edition of footnotes. And I say somewhat troubled because obviously for those Saints fans that watched Friday night's preseason game, the way the offense looked on the first two or three drive drives was was exciting in other words they had open receivers they seemed to be coming off the ball you know there seemed to be some chemistry there between the again it's all preseason does any of it matter no but it it's just the feeling that you get while you watch there was a lot to like about what you saw and on was it James I think it was James that called. And we had a discussion last week about the whole playing of people. And I look, I don't think anybody's wrong. I think it's a I think, you know, some starters played, some didn't. You know, Michelle was kind of hoping on Saturday to see Russell Wilson throw a pass in a Bronco uniform in a game. Didn't happen. He dressed out, didn't play it down. So some uh, Jameis played, looked good, got a hit, and you know in the postseason, in the postgame presser, Dennis Allen basically said that he had in his mind if they went out and had a productive drive, that was it. He was gonna be out of there. Maybe if they had gone three and out, he'd have played another drive. That's what it sounded like. You know, kind of was his plan, and that's not unusual. Um, had a great first drive, pulled him out. Part of that drive, however. Jawan Johnson took out Trevor Penning. I just again, I've been trying. I know where the ledge is because I've been on it and over it for the last two years. There's been some negative things that have happened in Saints camp. Most of it has been pretty positive, and I've basically just tried to shun to push away doesn't even belong in this word I, I i just been trying to shun it to push it away and not think about it um but obviously when you lose your first round player one of your two first rounders that you pick it's kind of hard to push that one away now with that said I'm, you know, naturally a glass half full fan when it comes to my teams. And so the thought has crossed my mind 
that if they go out and pick up a veteran, the popular name is Eric Fisher. I have no idea, you know, what kind of shape Eric Fisher's in. If you believe the reports, Eric Fisher has been waiting for, you know, the opportunity. According to reports, he's turned down nine teams already that have tried to sign him, and he said no. Um, He was a former first-round draft pick, and he most recently played for the Chiefs. So he's been in playoff games. He knows what it is to play on a good offense. He's been a part of it, So, and, and he's a veteran. So, uh, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of Saints fans that are thinking, man, it'd be nice to sign the guy. Seems like a perfect opportunity. So the thought did cross my mind, whether it's Eric Fisher or some other um, veteran player, that at least for right now, they might be better probably in pass blocking than Trevor Pinning. Probably not the run blocker potentially that Trevor is, even as a rookie, but probably any veteran that they pick up is probably a little ahead of him in pass blocking right now. And the hope would be that, you know, I don't believe Pinning was going to start. Now, I, I talked to Saints fans who believe that he's going to start. I don't, you know, I think if Hurst is healthy, they were going to start the season with Hurst and just, you know, play it safe. But, uh, but I mean, we'll never know, I guess, unless they come out and specifically say it, which is no, really no reason for them to do it. So, could this turn out to be okay if they pick up a veteran? Yeah, it could turn out to be okay. Now, you wanted Pinning to get experience at some point, theoretically. I get it. Uh, you know, it's just sickening. I've seen the play over and over and over again, and it's just... How does this stuff happen? It's just... You just shake your head. So that is somewhat troubling. Um... Most people are not troubled, apparently, as much as I am about the running back situation. You know, Abram Smith was supposedly this big um, ace in the hole guy, you know, running back in your back pocket. And he got, you know, was one of the players cut, one of the six players cut yesterday. By the way, the other players cut were Josh Black, Derek Kelly, who's an offensive tackle. Which tells me, you know, pretty good, you know, even more that they, you know, probably going to have to go pick up someone. Even if it's not a big name like a Fisher, it seems like you got to pick up someone. Uh, Quentin Meeks, uh, Kalik Washington, and Brian Allen. So the Saints are down to 74. They have to get down to 53. So that means 21 more players have to get cut by 3 o'clock tomorrow. And the fact that Abram Smith was cut so early in this, like he wasn't even one of the last 21 cuts, I guess it doesn't necessarily mean that. But, man, sure looks that way. There will be 21 people cut after Abram Smith was cut. And that was supposedly the ace in the whole running back deal. I, 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 I just, people keep saying... People keep saying that Superman, Mark Ingram, is the backup running back. Well, if how many posi- how many positions does the backup play on the second or third or fourth play of the game? I mean, it's just he's not a backup. I, I just I just think we look at it different. 
wrong. I, I, I just don't think we're viewing. I mean, it's possible Mark Ingram will be out there on the first play from scrimmage. Very possible he's going to be out there the first drive at some point. And it's almost a guarantee that he'll be out there at least once in the first two drives because running backs go in and out constantly. I, I just I just think it's it's looking at it wrong and deceiving to say that he's the backup running back. Because you essentially have co-starters unless you're playing like Derrick Henry football, you know, from the 80s where you just have this one dominant running back and you just hand it to him over and over and over and over again. That's not how the game is played anymore. I just, I just, every time I hear someone say that Mark Ingram's the backup running back, I just think that they're missing the boat. We're, 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 we're deceiving ourselves. I don't know. It just doesn't go down well for me. All right, another reason why this is a troubled Monday is the Astros. Astros snapped a a five-game losing streak to the Baltimore Orioles yesterday, going back to last season. And that's not all that significant. They avoided the sweep. I appreciated that. And they did it in the hardest way in that Justin Verlander left after three innings. And so they left it up to the bullpen, and the bullpen, which had been struggling, got it done. So bravo to the bullpen. But I say troubled for two reasons. One, Verlander left the game early. Now, when he left the field, they had one of these crazy plays where the base runner overran, and they got in a rundown, and they ended the game. When he left the field after the third, he walked off like he always walks off after the third out of an inning. It didn't look like anything was wrong. The fact that they pulled him with a no-hitter in his previous start and he left this start, my gut feeling is they're being overly cautious. You know, they feel like they're in the playoffs unless there's some sort of historic collapse. Uh, They feel like they're in the playoffs. As September is, what, two days away? Sometime this week is September. So they feel like they're in, and so they're going to go over-the-top cautious to make sure these guys are healthy. And again, I I can't criticize him for that. I'm not going to say if he felt anything at all, it's like this, this game is not worth making anything worse. So I totally get it. Uh, it's so it's concerning, and yet I get that part. The even more troubling to me is El Pedro Grande. He has been terrible since he came back from his injury. He has a hand injury. We're talking about him as a hitter. Hands are pretty important in the hitting process. All he does now is hit weak ground balls. That's all he does, beat the ball into the ground. That's all he looks like that's all he's capable of doing, swinging at bad pitches and hitting the ball on the ground. And he took a day off yesterday, which I'm not worried about that. But he took it off. Supposedly, his, as Milo would say, his hand was barking again. Well, is that going to get any better for the rest of the season? That's my fear. Is that going to get any better? Is his hand going to allow him to drive the ball for the rest of the season? 
because since he came back, all he does is hit ground weak ground balls. That's all he does. He hasn't driven the ball in forever. And, you know, it's not that he's not going to go into a slump. All players goes in, goes, go into slumps. But, I mean, even when you know, all he does is hit weak ground balls, that's all he does. So I cannot believe that hand is healthy. And, and my question is, is it going to be healthy for the rest of the season? All right, let's uh, go to the game hotline before we get to our first timeout on this troubled, mostly troubled or somewhat troubled Monday edition of Footnotes. Hello. Yes, hello. Hello, sir. Yes, I, I was wanted to make a comment about the running back situation. Uh-huh. Uh, it, 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 it's just my point I've been trying to make. The Saints need, I was trying to make this point before the draft. The Saints need another running back, and not just any plain game running back. They need a special running back because Ingram is getting old. He's not the same Ingram of past. And, I mean, you can't count on him for the whole season. And Kamara might be the most special player on the team, but he's not uh, in between the tackle running back. And you can't count on him to run the ball on third and five, on third and short, on, you know, you you need a a guy who you can count on to actually run the ball. You can count on Kamara to catch the ball out the backfield, but who's that guy that you're going to – Pound the ball with play after play after play when you need to run the ball. And, I mean, it's going to be a pass-happy offense because you got all these receivers. But when you you, you face a defense where you need to run the ball and you're not going to put yourself in situations where you're going to have Green to throw the ball 45 to 50 times a game. Sometimes you're going to have to sit here. Let, let, let's pound the ball. And Kamara is not that type of back. And Ingram, say, say Ingram is out of the game. I mean, Kamara is not going to average four to five yards a carry. I and mean, again, I, I, again, I, uh, again, uh, you and I are totally on the same. Play. And, and and you don't want him to be a dump truck. I, I just, no one understands this. Why would you want him to be a dump truck? I, I I just, I don't get it. You're absolutely correct. I've been preaching this for a long time, and no one seems to agree with us. And, and I, I don't know what they're thinking. I, I just don't get it. Yeah, that, that's the point I've been trying to make. You know what I mean? Yes. Everybody's like, yeah, we're set on running back. We got Ingram and Kamara. No. And Kamara is not a true running back. He and is a Ingr- great running back. It might be the best athlete on the field. But you're not going to use him in that way. I I, I, mean, I just don't get it. I, is, I just don't get Ingram it. Ingram is getting too old, so you really need another running back. Yes. Yes, yes, and yes. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right. I, I, I uh, just don't get it. I, I just I don't see what I'm missing. Like, if, I, if Darren and I are wrong, what are we missing? In other words, everyone's saying we want Z28 to be a dump truck. Well, that's a curious thing to want. Um, we want to be in a situation where everyone's talking about suspended. Forget about the suspension. If he gets nicked for a game or two, if Superman gets injured 
for a two or three or four game stretch, which is going to happen. It it's almost a guarantee. There's no way that cat's playing 17 games. Y'all get that out your mind now. It's not happening. So what then? Stop saying back up because that guy plays all the time. He's a in a part of the central. He's part of the offense. He's not a backup. Backups sit on the bench unless their starters are injured. He's not a backup, uh, Superman. He's a starter. He's a co-starter. It's like calling the third cornerback a backup. That's ignorant. It's clueless. This ain't 1950s football. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll try to regroup on this somewhat slash mostly troubled Monday edition of Footnotes on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The cheaters. Cheaters. The famed hated rival that beat the New Orleans Saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating. Also known as the San Francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your own for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you about the ultimate tailgate giveaway. If you would like to win $500 to chop specialty meats, I would like to win that. New grills with accessories, a cooler, set of chairs. $500 Visa gift card, and <clears throat> when you run off a list like that and you still say and, that's a good thing. Cajun football tickets, LSU football tickets, and more. Enter. To be eligible, you have to enter the Game Rewards Club by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. All right. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Would love to hear about anything you liked or didn't like from the Saints preseason game or from the Weekend of Major League Baseball, which we really haven't gotten into other than the Astros injury situation. And we'll make some comments. <clears throat> well, while I'm on that, um, just to kind of keep you up to date after the weekend. The Yankees won 13-4 to on Thursday night. I said, uh, they did a great job of, of you know, winning 3-2 to two the next day, which is typically how you have to win if you're going to win. And then after that, they didn't score a run. In, in in regulation until extra innings <clears throat> and lost three to two and then they got beat four to one yesterday. So in the first nine innings they scored one run the last two days. Kind of like the Astros did over the weekend. Um 
the little MVPs, got to give them credit. I criticize them when, you know, quite often. Got to give the little MVPs credit. How about the last two teams in the Astros division? The A's, who have competed very well, even though they're a triple-A team, essentially, beat the Yankees the last two days, completely shut down their lineup, and really shut them down pretty good over the last three days, which is not, when you score 13, I mean, it's just not a, it's just not a good plan. <clears throat> not a good plan. And the little MVPs, which I was worried about, because they had been losing and losing a lot. They've been pitching well, but losing a lot. Well, they went... Oakland was at least at home. They went to Toronto, who had been playing well, and swept the Blue Jays, the little MVPs. Wow. The little MVPs swept them. They beat them 12 to nothing, which was not a good plan. But the way to do it is to shut the team out the next day. That's funny. They shut them out two in a row, the little MVPs. And then they won 8-3. A complete weekend road sweep. That's who the Yankees play now. Now, I understand the thought. Well, the Yankees in good shape now. They they get to play the the A's and the little MVPs. I mean, beware. This is not football. That's a football comment. The little MVPs, you got to give them credit. They are not, they are, they're hanging in there. They're not great, but they, they're playing hard. Got to give the A's credit. Playing hard. I heard some talk that, by the way, the Astros, after the weekend, has remained three and a half up on the Yankees. And Baltimore is one and a half games out the wild card. One and a half. Minnesota swept the Giants. They're only three out. And the White Sox are still six back. The Yan- the Red Sox are seven back. Still time, but they're but it's getting close to where if you're six back or seven back, uh, it's getting a little sticky pretty soon. Still time, but it's getting close. We're almost in September. So uh, and then in the National League side, <clears throat> the um, Brewers are one and a half back. The Cardinals got dismissed by a lot of people. I you know, I I wouldn't dismiss him yet. You know, I think everybody thinks it's all about the Mets, the Braves, and the Punks, and it it might end up that way. But I would not dismiss the Cardinals just yet. They beat the Braves two out of three over the weekend. All right, let's go to the game hotline and see what James has to say. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, sir. <clears throat> It is, it is a good morning, but, uh, you know, despite the bad news of us losing pinning at left tackle, uh, you know, I think that's a it's a blow. It's not a detrimental blow, but it definitely puts a damper on our depth. Uh, just kind of listening to Dennis Allen at the end of the game press conference, it, 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 it's interesting to, to, to kind of think about who was actually going to be the starter going into the season, uh, because you know he seems, you know, he seems like a the other guy is going to be the starter, or, or that's 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 just what I took from his press conference. That's yeah, you know, I, really I think Hurst, I think Hurst was going to be the starter, and I just don't think they were enough, confident enough in his pass blocking ability to throw him out there <clears throat> just yet, but. You know, 
We so, won't know now. I, and I'm going to leave. I'm going to let that lead into my next comment because I thought from the game uh, on Friday when I watched it and I rewatched it, uh, I thought Henning was excellent again in the run game. And when I say excellent, I mean excellent at the point of attack. He he just looks like he, he's so powerful <clears throat> that when he gets his hands on you, he's going to drive you. And, and when they did play action with with uh, E28, you know, and, and Kamara, well, Kamara is E28, right? Yes. So when they did play action with Kamara, E28, it, it just drew everybody's attention to Kamara, and that, that, that split second or half a second actually helped any, you know, kind of adjust and, and not really get, you know, uh, <laughs> rushed or, 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 or a good pass block on him. He was able to kind of set his set his feet and kind of, you know, let the let the defender come to him because he was already because the defender is looking at the at the at the dive on the play action. So I thought that bode well. But uh, my my thoughts of the game was I thought they played a, a, a fantastic game. The starters and even the second team, Randy Dalton coming in, leading another touchdown drive. Uh, it's going to be very very tough to defend these guys. And I heard the, the caller. Before you went to break, talking talking about running backs, and, and I get it, but I think it's been a while since we since we've seen Tamara and and Ingram together in the backfield with time on task. In other words, you know, <laughs> yeah, and in a legitimate year. offense. I mean, they did it a just you know very small amount last year, but it wasn't with a legitimate. The offense was just decimated right, by right. injuries last season. So yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't wasn't like the previous time when they were together, when they were right, right. tag team. And I think that's going to save Kamara a lot. And I think they're going to really feed off each other because I think they both realize that, you know, in their careers right now, they, they, they don't need to take the extra pounding and they could actually benefit each other from, you know, sharing sharing the load. So it's, it's interesting to see how, how the health situation is going to transpire throughout the season. But I think it's going to benefit us. Uh, I I do think we do need some some depth, a little bit extra depth at the running back position because I'm not sold on Tony Jones, Jr. Uh, it, it just doesn't seem like he's real adept at, at breaking tackles. I like a I like a back that breaks tackles, you know. So uh, well, I agree. So it'll be it'll be Took Superman three years to do that. Yeah, other teams who they decide to bring in because I don't think they uh totally sold on on that position either. I think I, I think and hope that you're correct. Thank you for the call, sir. Thank you very much. As far as the, the you too. As far as the game, I thought the defense was terrible. I, I you know now again, I'm not saying I'm worried about the defense, but I thought in that game the defense was terrible. See, I don't count when when, when I assessed the Saints team or the opponent if. And it, I don't, I don't count penalties when I'm when I'm assessing it. You might say, "Well, that's not fair." That, that, okay, I'm just telling you, I don't do it. So, like, and it's even worse when you get a penalty and you still can't take advantage. I that may, to me that plays even worse than if you don't get penalties and you get lit. So, you know. Constantly, the Saints would get penalties and the Chargers would overcome them. That's even worse. I'm already not giving you full credit if you get a holding call and you stop them. 
But when you get a holding call and you still can't stop them, that's even worse. So I, I And I think if you, Dennis Allen wasn't too happy after the game either. The defense played terrible, I thought. Now, all the starters weren't in there. I get that. I'm just evaluating the game. I thought the offense look was mostly very good. Very good. Very encouraging. Defense was terrible. Um, as far as, and again, I don't want to analyze a preseason game too much, but 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 that's kind of what you see. Now, again, I thought all the receivers that played, for the most part, looked good. There was a lot of, a lot of good on offense, not a lot of good on defense. Um, but, but none, you know, all of that is second and third to, you know, losing at least a potential starter, your first round draft pick quite possibly for the season, whatever, you know, I hate that word indefinitely, but it is, it is what it is. So any thoughts you have on that? And James brought up a point that I want to, I, I think was a good one or alluded to a point that I think is a good one. There are going to be cuts all over the league. Teams have to cut, you know, 25, 30 players today and tomorrow. And there are going to be some running backs. We talked about it last week. Guys like Gaskin, potentially, who are veterans, who don't fit into what they're doing and are going to get cut. And so it is possible, and we discussed this last week, but just to reiterate it, it is possible that the Saints are just being patient and they're just waiting and they're going to scoop up one of these veteran running backs that were cut. I sure hope so. <laughs> I just sure hope so. Oh, man. It's going to be hard for me. To, I'm going to lose some sleep if they don't. But we'll, we'll, we'll see how I'm trying to remain patient. Got two more weeks. Two more weeks. Which for me as a fan... And my anxiety is not good. But for, you know, getting guys like um, Werner and Hurst and Plastic Man, getting those guys two weeks of, you know, that's a good thing. It's good. Good for them. And obviously their health's more important than my little anxiety in the big picture, obviously. So, I'm, you know, I guess it's, it's all good. At least I hope so. The good thing about the two weeks is, like, let's say Penning's going to be out. I don't know. I'm I'm just being optimistic here. Ten weeks. Well, two of those are already gone before they play a game. So maybe it's not all lost, but I kind of wonder if it's all lost for this year. Um. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout, come back, continue to review this weekend on a Monday Somewhat slash mostly troubled Monday edition of Footnotes on the Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. How much does Foot despise the San Francisco 49ers? Well, you be the judge. I love turning 50 because I was no longer a 49. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Whoa. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you, Delta Media, we've been talking about the Saints. We've been talking about a little bit of getting you updated on Major League Baseball, but college football, we're going to get to that. It's going to start. It already started, and uh, it's really going to start this weekend, obviously, with the um, LSU playing Sunday night and the Cajuns playing in the Superdome and then the Cajuns playing Saturday evening at home against Southeastern. But also, Thursday and Friday is the start of high school football in the Cadiana area. Delta Media's got you covered. St. Thomas Moore on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, Acadiana on MeTV, 97.7. Karen Crow, Z105.9. Southside Sharks. Southside is one of the teams that opens on Thursday. So, be um put that make you know make a mental note there and you can hear that game right here on um the our family of stations Mustang 1071 Vermillion Parish Game of the Week 1063 Radio Lafayette St. Landry Parish Game of the Week News Talk 985 and the Bar Buccaneers will be on the game 1041 Lake Charles my suggestion to you is to download the station's free mobile apps and you can follow your favorite teams all year long Delta Media your home for Friday night football in this case for with Southside Thursday night football as well uh let's go to the game hotline hello thank you howdy sir oh boy man besides the Trevor Penning uh Andrew, you know things were going well when Ian Book probably played the best game of his career in the NFL. Anyways, no, it's not saying much, but um, he he, you know, so, yeah, they they had like, some drives. He did a few good things. I agree. I had a friend of mine uh, text me, you know, uh, the other day talking. He, he said, "What if we get Alex Leatherwood?" I'm like, "Do we really want that dude?" I don't know. That guy has like bust written all over him, you know. Again, Leatherwood's a guy who came from Alabama. The Raiders took a lot of criticism when they drafted him. It was a major reach in the first round, and he's not lived up. There's a lot of speculation he's going to get cut. I actually prefer to have a veteran in that role, but, you know, if they go that route, I guess it's not the end of the world. But, no, I'm with you. I'd prefer not to. It's it's just like, you know. (laughs) Come on now. We did. Uh, no, that was frustrating. Okay, so um, wide receiver. Do you see Traquan Smith making the team? Or do you see or do you think we're gonna keep both Traquan Smith and Kirk Merritt? Well, I think they'll both be somewhere, yeah. Now. Um see I'm I mean, I, you know, I mean, look, you think we're keeping? if they if they think Kurt Merritt is a value as a kickoff returner, which, again, I got no problem with him. You know, they think that go for it. But I, I'm not as fascinated with him and the whole running back him as a running back and all that. I'm not that yeah. I'm not. And I well, don't think he's going to play make much of an impact at all as a wide receiver. So the only reason to keep him, and I know everybody loves him, is that if they feel like he's going to be the kick returner, and if he's going to be the kick returner, then then, Lee, then no question, yes. Yeah. But he better well, be the could. kick returner. Because yeah. I don't think they, he, can, he really lot, can help. Uh, Friday. <clears throat> you got to see a lot of them. Anyways. Um, yeah, so 
like, and I'm looking at like these roster predictions, dude. They have some people that like have us keeping like six or seven linebackers, and like we. I, I, don't, I don't think know. they'll I keep that see. many with all the safeties they've got. I don't. I would be surprised if they keep that many. But again, that's a position that a lot of people were very concerned about. And I never was as concerned as them. I mean, Wilson, I think, has done fine. Nifi Sewell has done fine. I, I don't. I, again, I don't think these are great players, but I'm, I'm still not as worried about the back, the depth at linebacker as some are. Yeah. And what do you, what do you think about John Bostic? You know? I, yeah. You know, again, for that, if, if they, if they just say, look, we, we, we relish or. Um, really need or or put an emphasis on having a veteran linebacker. I don't think John Bossy is going to play a lot of special teams. But if you want a veteran linebacker who knows how to play and knows what he's doing, I mean, and they say he picked up the defense, like, right away, uh, I think that's yeah. safer. Like, yeah. again, we always talk about special teams, special teams, special teams, but not everybody can play special teams. Like, there's only still only yeah. 11 on the field. Like, I don't think everybody needs to play special teams. Oh, dude, you know who I saw? Like, uh, Justin Evans? Dude, he's, he's oh, a I like good gunner, yeah. Yes. He, he can play. So, I mean, I've, like, been, I've been intrigued with him you, since they signed him. Yes, sir. I think I think he's going to be playing. He's going to be playing next year. Like, he's going to be fine for playing time. You know, he might, he might be on the field. Anyway. He looked very he, – he's as impressive as anyone in the preseason game. You can just tell, like, when, when he's in there and, like, the backups are all in there, he he's like – a step above everyone on, you know, especially on the defensive side. I agree. Anyways, um, so one more thing, uh, tight end. You think we're just going to roll with what we have? Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. I've thought that yeah. all along. You see, do you, I, I, do you I, I, see any any trades happening? Like, I heard uh, Nick Underhill last week talking about, you know, Mickey Loomis has been fielding calls and what for trades. Do you well, see us trading I, anyone? I, I, I can't see us, like. I could see trading you know, if there's a receiver or something that someone likes for a tackle. I mean, so, I, yeah, I, I mean, trades hardly ever happen in the NFL. So probably not. But if they traded for a, a running back or they traded for a tackle, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Well, would you, like, so you think we'd give them draft picks or, like, someone like Marquez Callaway? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't think they would make a trade for a um, – a running back, but for an offensive tackle, if they feel like the depth that again that uh, nothing can wreck your season like an offensive tackle injury. So yeah, and I'm uh, like, like we're not the there. only ones right looking for offensive line help right now. You know? I agree. I agree. Like anyways. All right, right thanks things. for the call. All right, let's go back to the hotline. Hello. Yeah, man. Um, I didn't hear the last call. What are we talking about? Talking about the the linebacker depth and um, think, uh, other uh, issues, could they make a trade? Do I think the Saints can make a trade? That kind of thing. Who was it? Who was the caller? Who was the caller? David. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, quick question, man. Fucking baseball. Uh, is Josh Hader? Is he hurt? So, What's up with well, that? again, the. the Again, I don't know, but all I know is he, he left the Brewers. 
for some sort of family issue. He stayed away longer than they thought. It, they seem to be on the outs. I don't, I don't know that again. I'm not behind the scenes, but they seem to be on the outs. And then they trade him, and then he's just gotten completely shelled ever since they traded him. So something is up. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's alarming. Yeah, like his ERA is ballooning. At, at, I think he gave up like five or six hundred uh, earned runs yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. When he came back from that extended stay, he got majorly lit for in Milwaukee, and then they traded him, and he's got nothing but something is just not right. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it is it is a lot. I know the group. I know some of his teammates who his former teammates are upset that they traded him. But, uh, they knew well, something. Say that again. They knew something, apparently. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Look, that's how I wanted to ask you, man. And, uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, again, it's hard to, you know, we, 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 you don't, we, don't, we don't get the full in the story. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But we do know that he left the team, and they were seemingly a little perturbed by how long he stayed away, a little longer than they thought. And then when he got back, he got lit. Then they traded him, and now he's still getting lit. Hmm. So it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's very, very concerning. No question. All right. We will take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Something that I found a bit curious that I heard over the weekend. The New York Mets retired the number of Willie Mays. Now, he finished his career with the Mets, but wasn't like, you know, all of his best years. He was a washed-up player when he played for the Mets. And I, I got, I mean, Willie Mays one of all-time greats. I mean, some people think he's the best player ever. You can make that argument. But, like, why? I just don't get why the Mets are retiring his number. He did play for them, but I don't know. Just seemed a bit curious to me. Little bit. Once again, he didn't pitch poorly. Pitched great. But the Mets lost another start of Scherzer's. Man, they've lost some starts lately that he's games that he started. But um it it's um we're almost it's almost September. So that race is gonna it's gonna be very interesting to see if they can hold on. I think I think most people around the country who are not Mets fans don't think they're going to hold on. And yet, we're almost in September. Still a long way to go, but they still, I think most of us didn't think they'd hold on this long with the way the Braves have looked. But um, we will um, we'll continue to monitor. The, but no, I don't know. I don't know. I just thought that was a little curious. I mean, if he played for the Astros for, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Is there Was there a great, I mean, Yvonne Rodriguez played at the end of his career. If Yvonne Rodriguez had Willie Mays' stature, I don't I don't think I'd want to retire his number. I mean, the Astros have too many numbers retired anyway. They retire everybody's number. They need to stop that. 
But no, I I I don't know. I guess I'm too strict on I just if I was a Mets fan, I don't think I'd want to retire Willie Mays' number. He's a great player, but if uh, of course the Giants should retire his number, but not not the Mets. I don't I guess I'm too team oriented for my own good. That'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber, the game hotline. 706-0111. Again, we've talked a little Major League Baseball. We talked Saints preseason game, lose a first ba- lose a first round draft pick, possibly, probably, I don't know, for the season for a long time anyway. Um in Trevor Penning, very disappointing. You know, we Brought up Eric Fisher's name. Other people are saying they should trade for Isaiah Wynn, who is um, offensive tackle for the for the Patriots. You know, I've heard ex Bills tackles. I've heard you know other ex Patriot tackles. I mean, people are throwing around names. Who knows what the Saints are thinking? But anyway, certainly a topic of discussion. We'll we'll get hot and heavy. As the week goes on with college football, again, the Cajuns open up their regular season at 6 o'clock on Saturday at home against Southeastern. LSU will play Florida State Sunday evening at 6.30 in the Superdome. So certainly anybody who wants to comment on those games, feel free to do so. If you saw any high school football jamboree action, we'll talk some high school football as the week goes on as well. So football season is here. Don't have to. Don't have to fight the feeling there for sure. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Yeah, man, I had to call back, man. Uh, you uh, brought up Willie Mays and a lot of Mets retired his number. It's not so much the Mets. I think the city of New York. Uh, I know he played with the Giants for a good bit of his career uh, before they moved west. So I think it's one of those things where is his number retired anywhere in the city of New York? Uh, I mean, I don't know where where it could be. I mean, the Yankees okay, so, did, so, no. Yeah, of course. He didn't play for them, so he played for the Mets. I know it was at the end of his career. You know, every time when I when I think I think of Willie Mays with the Mets, they always, they always talk about him dropping the ball in the outfield on the World Series, if I'm not mistaken. It'll be awesome. But, um, yeah, we know it's at the end of his career. I don't, I don't, let me ask you this. Is, is Hank Aaron number retired with the Brewers? Yep. He only played two seasons. What? The Milwaukee Braves, right? I think that's just paying homage to him since he played with the, uh, Milwaukee. the Milwaukee area. Yeah. So I, I think I think it's one of those types of things, man, where, you know, we just think about it, man. We just lost Bill Russell. We just really made it had to be at least 90 or something like that, something close to that. So um, I, don't, I don't see anything wrong with the gesture. I think, I think it's just a way of retiring his number in the city that he started his career. Um, and that's all I have to add, and uh, thank you. All right, thank you. No, it's, I guess I hadn't considered that, the whole New York thing. 
you know, I brought up last week. I forget what we were discussing, but it was, uh, you know, the old famous Willie Mickey or the Duke. And so, you know, that was. And the reason, look, I, I fight against it, and it aggravates me um, that there's such a huge part of the baseball fan base in the country and especially the baseball media in the country that think that, you know, baseball is all about New York and Boston and very little else matters. And so if you're a fan of a team, especially a good team, and, you know, you're naturally going to not agree with that. But it is true that during the 50s when baseball was king, it was all about New York City. I mean, they had all these teams. I mean, Willie Mickey or the Duke, that's what that means. So I, I get it. I, I I don't know that I would vote that way, but at least I I, I still I, I, I get it a little more, that it's more of a city thing. And what he meant for the city, and he certainly, you know, and for the sport, I get that. But phew, I don't know. At least that explanation kind of makes some sense to me and kind of um, leans on my history and nostalgia for the game. So I can buy that somewhat. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. Obviously, Florida State played a game. I did not see the game. I've heard some comments about the game and that, Nothing, you know, the people that I've heard comment on it were like, well, they looked okay, but they, you know, it looks like LSU should be able to beat them. We'll see how that plays out. I do think that it's an advantage to have played a game, especially at the college level, when, you know, you don't have preseason games. You don't have these, I mean, you have these inter-squad scrimmages, but you don't always know what that does to prepare you, and a lot of those are just situational. They're not real games. So I do think it's an advantage to Florida State that they've at least played a game, whether they played good, bad, or indifferent. They at least played that game, and they can get some of those early jitters and kinks and, oh, man, we got to fix this at right guard or wherever. And, you know, they could um, – I think that's an, a distinct advantage. And so you would think Florida State would be a little more prepared, at least in the first quarter, but obviously, you know, Got to see how they do over the four quarters. So we'll see how that goes. You know, the Cajuns are opening up against Southeastern. Southeastern on paper had like one of the most, if not the most explosive offensive season of anyone at their level last year. The problem is they lost a lot of those players, including local quarterback Cole Kelly, who was just, you know, he just had a, just a fabulous season. I mean, you know, he threw the ball over the place, lost several of his top targets. You know, he was a big running, you know, rush for a lot of touchdowns in addition to throwing for a lot of touchdowns. And so both of these teams have um, things to, you know, lost record-setting quarterbacks and have players to overcome. But I think there's a lot more questions to answer on Southeastern side than the Cajun side going into this opening matchup and, We'll learn a little bit more about Southeastern as the week goes on. All right, let's uh, go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. How you doing? Pretty good, sir. I got a trivia question for you. Okay. What, 
what did in their rookie seasons Lynn Dawson and Ian Book have in common? In their rookie seasons, Lynn Dawson and Ian Book. Um, uh, really, I, I, I'd be guessing. You, help me out here. I don't know. Okay. Nobody wants the cat. This is what happened. I saw on a sports program the other day that uh, Hank, if it wasn't for Hank Stram, Lynn Dawson's career might have never took off. Uh, Hank coached him at Purdue and invited him to a training camp, and the, the owners, managers, and the top brass wanted to cut him in training camp. Lynn Dawson. So, so like, do you know as that story goes? Because I don't know that much. Like, I don't even know who was the. Did they have an established quarterback there already, or no? I I, I don't remember. I just it was a, a special on the uh, you know after Lynn Dawson had passed. It was uh-huh. a special, and uh, I I just said I gotta call Kevin on this. <laughs> no, that's interesting. I I love hearing stuff like that. I would just I'm gonna need to do a little. I, I, Man, I, I don't even know if I could guess who the quarterback was in Kansas City before Lynn Dawson. But, no, I'm going to have to look into that. No, those those stories exist, no question. Oh, it, it just it just hit a nerve with me. I said, and I tried uh, – I missed you last week. I just uh, – I just I said, I got to get in. I got to tell Kevin this because can you imagine that – uh, that, and that's, that's the first thing I said, nobody wanted to catch <laughs> And look, I'm not a I'm not a big believer in Ian Book. No. He did do better. He did do better this time around. He he kept he kept the lead. He didn't blow it. He, he did. Finally, they put him in the gun, you know, and got him out from under the center to let him relax a little bit. And uh, so he did he did well. When did the best well. thing you do is run as a quarterback, uh, still a little yeah, skeptical. But, still a little skeptical. But no, he made a lot of big plays in the running game. No question. And, and I, I'm one, I'm going to admit that I kind of like the pick, not where it was at the fourth round, uh, I, uh, because he was a winner. You know, he he went on a tear over there at Notre Dame. And uh, I, I don't know, but like, like I'm like you. It, the, the guy, he just, man, he's just a runner. That's all he is, a runner. He that, still can't, he, threw a, he missed a wide open guy in the end zone, you know, and that, that same route, like, overthrew him. I don't know if you saw Right, yes, yes. But anyway, that's what I wanted to tell you, Kev. You have a good day. All right. Sir. Thank you. I appreciate the historic uh, analogy there. Thank you very much. No, I – man, I seem like I should have heard of, of a name, but I, I, I don't know that I could – I'm going to have to look that up. I have no idea who the quarterback was when Lynn Dawson arrived. I didn't even know the year that happened. I'm going to have to brush up on history there a little bit. Again, the game hotline, 706 0111 7060111 so trying to get my mind you know we've been waiting for it's 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 a game week and it starts today um when we show up for the Cajuns uh coach Dez's press conference uh we're going to be talking about an opponent it's not just going to be talking about the Cajuns and and who's how does the quarterback look and how do the running backs look and we, we might get a few of those questions but you know, the first couple questions, or part of it anyway, is going to be talking about an opponent, and that's the um, the southeastern Louisiana Lions. And again, they're very, very, very explosive. They won a lot of games, and you know, there was a time here where there would be a lot of ties between it. You know, 
several of the the last two Cajun defensive coordinators going into this year have roots at Southeastern. They're gone now, so you know those roots are are not there. But you know they're the impact of Southeastern's program is you know it's it's still kind of there uh, in the Cajun program. So no, that'll be an interesting game. For the, C- the Cajun fans are hoping that the game is not as close as the Nichols game was last year. That's for sure. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy, sir. I was going to give you some information about Len Dawson. Okay. He he was drafted in the NFL like in the mid-50s. He didn't even play his first like five or six seasons. And then he went to the uh, Chiefs, where an expansion team. They were the Dallas Texans, and uh, Dawson went to them. I guess Lind uh, Stram must have been their coach, like the guy was saying. And then he started with them, like in I think in 1961. So there was no quarterback before him. I- I'm not sure if they had a team in 1960. If he wasn't there in 60 or not, I'd have to look that up to be sure. But I'm almost positive uh, he started in 61. And he was like, when he started with them, he was, like he didn't really get to start playing until he was like 27 years old or something. Man. And he still had that good of a career because he played till he was fairly old. So when like, he I won the Super Bowl. Dawson, that's right, when I started watching football in the late 60s and uh, – you know, it seemed like he was fairly old when that uh, you know, when I started watching. So I, I would guess he because when did he play? He played into the mid seventies, didn't he? I mean, when they won Super Bowl four, was that nineteen seventy? I mean, uh, he had yeah. to be in his mid to upper thirties. Yeah, because wow. I was thinking, man, he had a really nice career, but it's a shame he didn't get an opportunity for you know for four or five years before. Well, he just had to sit the bench. They must not have liked what they saw or something, but evidently Hank Stram liked him. He saw something in him. Certainly, and, he, uh, and, and you know, back then, you know, for, for the longest time, Purdue, man, I was quarterback you. Like, if you – like, you know how I am. I like to look at the uh, quarterback rating and stuff, and if you look at the older quarterbacks, I'll tell you two that had – Pretty good numbers when you, especially for the era they played in, was him and uh, and old uh, Sonny Jurgensen. He was, by the way, by the way, he was he was forty years old when he retired in nineteen seventy five. Yeah, I would have said late thirties. Yeah, he was forty years old. So that means he was then born in uh, in nineteen thirty five. So. Yeah, I think he must have gotten drafted then in 57, so he sat on the bench. I think it was like five years, 57, 8, 9, 60, and then I guess he started in 61. Yeah, he was with the Steelers. I'm looking it up. He's with the Steelers and the Browns. And then and okay. then he went to the Dallas, Texas, like you said, for one year, and in 63 was his first year with the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. I'm not sure of the uh, Texans, I thought, they were an original expansion team in the AFL, which I think would have been 1960. But uh, I don't know what, you know, I guess he got, I don't know if he got traded or he got released. I'd like to know who the, uh, who was the quarterback for the, uh, would you say the Steelers and the Browns? 
back in the late 50s. No idea. I, I mean, I have no idea. We'd have, I'd have totally have to look. I remember the, the Browns had a good guy named Frank Ryan, but I think that was in the 60s. I don't know in the late 50s who the, uh, who the Steelers. They were terrible. He, I know I that. I was thinking maybe why Kittle, but I don't think he played for those teams. So to help you all out, so from about 1949 to 51, it was Joe Gary. Then 52 to 55 was Jim Finks. And then the late 50s to 58 to 60 was Bobby Lane was the Oh, Bobby the Lane. Okay, yeah, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, Jim Finks, that's funny. Yeah, and then Len Dawson started as a quarterback for the Chiefs in 1962. And before okay. him was Cotton Davidson in 60 and 61, as well as Hunter uh, Enos or Ennis for 60. And then 61 was Randy Duncan as well. That's funny. Okay. All right, a good uh, history lesson. Yeah, and you did you see my Cardinals? They came back twice and beat the Braves back to back night. Yeah, we commented on that last hour. I wouldn't. I mean, again, I understand why everyone's high on the Braves and the Punks. They have they're, they're doing very well, but I wouldn't dismiss the Cardinals just yet. Yeah, it just made me feel good. You, they look like they, you know, where you feel like they can compete. I mean, they didn't look intimidated because the Braves, I mean, <laughs> i tell you what, Kevin, the Braves are scary with all the young talent they got, and they locking most of it up. No, they're, they're, as an organization, they're doing a tremendous job, no question. I'm, um, oh, I I'm, mean, glad, I'm glad they're in the National League. The Cardinals have pretty good young talent, but we need to start doing their strategy and, and locking it up, you know, why? why? <laughs> You don't have to pay so much. It it, it makes uh, it a little better. I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you very much. All right. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back. We had a little history lesson. You never know what's going to happen. That's all part of, of the fun here. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Continue. More open phone lines. Lots of football to discuss. And if you want to talk baseball, we're certainly uh, open for that as well. We'll be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers in the Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Oh, pleasure cruise. Pleasure cruise. Now, a sports career where things seemingly came easy as the player was surrounded by the best players, the best coaches, and caught all the breaks also known as Tom Brady's career. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers. And the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. Want to remind you about Astro Giveaway 5. Astros will be playing the Tampa Bay Rays on Saturday, October the 1st. And you can win. You can be the latest to win an Astro Giveaway if you register, if you've registered for the game clubhouse. You might win four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday evening. Astro Weekend Getaway. Astros versus Rays on Saturday, October the 1st. 
powered by Butcher Air Conditioning. La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You know, the end of the Astros schedule, I made a comment about that. I kind of stumbled across it, I don't know, three weeks or so ago. Um, they finish up with the at the end with the Phillies. Like, the Phillies could be in the race for a wild card. The Rays, potentially. I mean, they're right now. They're in a race for a wild card. We'll see what they're... You know, they might have it locked up by then, but they might not. And the Astros might have be the number one seed or the number two seed. might be locked up. We don't know. I mean, maybe it'll be close, but it's possible that the Astros would have it locked up. And so at that point, what do you do? I mean, it's just kind of, it's got, I mean, you got to worry about yourself before you worry about other teams, but you don't want to, as they say, uh, mess with the integrity of the, of the playoff race. But again, the Astros find at the end of the season, they play the Rays three times in Tampa. Then they have four with the Orioles in Baltimore. Then they play two with the Diamondbacks at home, uh, three with the Rays at home, and finish with three with the Phillies at home. So, like, I don't know, whatever that is, like 12 or 13 or their last 14 or 15 games are going to be against teams that theoretically a month, you know, theoretically as we're about to get are going to be right in the middle of a, of a you know, of a wild card race where every game is going to matter. Hmm. Could be tricky for the Astros as far as like which like how many guys can you rest? I mean, you want to rest guys cuz you're worried about yourself. You know, and then yet, you know, we'll see what how Verlander comes back. We'll see how El Pedro's doing. Uh, you know, he he is he looks terrible right terrible and so I don't know going to be tricky there down the stretch but if you want to win that ticket to that Saturday game on October the 1st against the Rays certainly uh, go to the game clubhouse could be lots of fun could be a very meaningful game um, looking forward to that all right again the game hotline is 706 0111 Something that got a lot of play over the weekend. You know me, I'm kind of silly about certain things like uniforms. I think if you are an all-time franchise like the Yankees or the Celtics or the Lakers or the Dodgers, the Punks, I mean, I respect them even though I can't stand them. I respect their history for sure. You just don't change your uniform in my opinion. So, you know, I grew up kind of like in Nebraska. When I was a kid, I've told the story before. I mean, you know, I'll pull for the local teams, the Cajuns and LSU in the 70s. I pulled for Ohio State over Michigan. I pulled for Nebraska over Oklahoma. I don't, I didn't pull for any of the Gestapo teams. I call them Gestapo teams. Uh, you know, USC, ugh, I didn't pull for them. I didn't pull for Michigan. Ugh. I didn't pull for Oklahoma. Ugh. 
can pull for any of those teams. But so I always, you know, I don't I haven't followed Nebraska football for at least thirty years. I've, I mean, I never really was a fan, but I but I pulled for them against Oklahoma, and so I always start their uniform look kind of cool with the little N on it. Um, and then when they change their uniform and and they've been a mess lately, and they. And then, you know, it's like they can't get out of their own way. And then Saturday happens. They're playing in another country. I don't really get that. But anyway, they're playing in another country, and they seem like they're, well, they're about to get this great victory. Again, it's not like Northwestern's the greatest program ever, but it would have been a really nice victory for them, especially since, you know, they've had some frustration they're leading by double figures and they onside kick and they are getting bashed for it. And I understand it. The bashing I'm talking about. I obviously if you do that and it works, everybody, oh, what a riverboat gambler, and he's playing not to lose. And oh, it's just but when it again, so many decisions. We talk about this quite a bit. And we'll never know the answer. But I've often wondered how many decisions are made, or I should I say not made because they're worried about the criticism that will come if it doesn't work. In other words, you play it safe. Like a guy like Staley, this young coach for the Chargers, when you're on your own 20-something yard line or own 30-something yard line and you punt on fourth down, no one's ever going to criticize you for that. They're never going to criticize you for that. Punting on fourth down on your own 20 or 30-something yard line. No one's ever going to criticize you for that. Well, I guess if it's the fourth quarter and there's 20 seconds left, I guess – but but besides it being the very end of the game and you trailing, no one's ever going to criticize you for that. But if you go for it and you miss it, then they're going to criticize you. And it's kind of that way situation that Scott Frost faced. You're up double figures. No one's going to criticize you for kicking off to the other team. Now, they might criticize you for your method of kicking off, like they might say, Squib kick it if you're facing against a team that has this elite kick returner or something like that. But no one's ever going to criticize a head coach for not onside kicking with a double-digit lead. No one's ever going to do that. And so you got to give, I guess, on one hand, some, I don't know if credit's the word, but some man, this guy's got some guts for doing something that he didn't need to do and not worrying about the potential criticism if it doesn't work. Because, again, some things I talk about him as calls that with officials, and I think that's misinterpreted. Well, this is like it's kind of similar with a head coach. This is not a 50-50 decision, you know, like to pull the pitcher in the eighth inning or not pull the pitcher in the eighth inning. It's kind of somewhere around a 50-50 decision. But whether you're going to onside kick with a double-digit lead when you have all the momentum is not a 50-50 decision. 
That's like a 98 to 2 decision. If that high. And so, wow. Wow. And so it's um I mean, is that just I I you know, sometimes when these on I've heard stories where you work all week and you say, We see this on film. And if you if it if it if it, if it ha- if this happens, we're gonna do it. But man, those kind of things I don't know that that's what happened here, but if those kind of things, you still got to do it within the context of the game, even if you see what you're looking for. <sighs> I, again, I give them some, I don't know, I guess respect is the word, but credit for um, not worrying about the potential criticism because sometimes you just, you know, I think many decisions aren't made because they're just, Coaches are just worried about the criticism that would come. This cat who's been heavily criticized certainly isn't worried about that. I, um, again, I'm one that believes that when things turn out good, that doesn't mean it was the right move. Or if things don't, if you don't get the result that you want, it doesn't mean it's the wrong move. But with all of that said, I just, I, uh, I, I when you're trying to, uh, it's not the right time to do that. It just did not seem like the right time to do that. Wow. Now, if it would have worked, it would have been great. They'd have been crowing and, oh, what a, what a gutsy, oh, man. That's just, again, I got, I, once Nebraska, I haven't worried or cared about Nebraska in, a, in decades, but once they changed their uniforms, I really didn't care about them. But um, and I, I just, man, I just cringe. I was not watching it live, but I've heard the commentary, and I just, man, you just, to me, you just cringe when I, that that just did not seem like the time to do something like that. All right, we will take a timeout. I don't think Coach Dez or Coach Kelly will be doing anything like that that crazy in the first game. Let's take a timeout. We'll be back on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes on the Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you about the Game Rewards Club. Go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, and you could win such great prizes as a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, or a $25 gift certificate for Mabel's Kitchen. You can only score all these great prizes if you become a member of the Game Clubhouse by going to 1037thegame or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So sign up today. All right. Last week, we talked quite a bit. 
And we'll be talking about it more tomorrow with our weekly visit from Mr. Juno. But about, you know, the Cajuns naming their quarterback, I haven't paid attention other than a little bit from afar, the whole crazy Brian Harson situation the whole offseason with Auburn, but I don't know that I expected to see the headline of T.J. Finley is named the starting quarterback. Haynes King was named the A&M starting quarterback. By the way, not Max Johnson. By the way, I was confused last summer quite a bit at this time of the year when I, I always thought Kellen Mond was terrible. Every time I said, look, I don't watch as much foot, college football as a lot of you, but every time I saw Kellen Mond play, to me he looked terrible. And then when when the Vikings drafted him, I mean, th- there were a couple guys, some of these, you know, draft guru kind of guys that were all high on him, Kellen Mond. And, and he had a couple, through, you know, a decent preseason games, and people were raving. But, you know, I don't hear too much Kellen Mond talking. I just not really real high on the Kellen Mond thing. But anyway, I just thought that was – Surprising, but so we'll see. Um, again, just because a guy's named a starter doesn't mean he's going to be the starter all year. Could play poorly and get replaced, um, or he could get injured. I mean, you just never know how that's going to play out. But again, it's a it's a new quarterbacks is kind of the theme. With the Saints, Jameis Winston is not totally um, new, but he kind of is. Still kind of new, even though he did play for a few games last year before he got injured. Um, obviously, a new quarterback, with the starting quarterback with the Cajuns. He's not new because he's been with his fourth year on campus, but he's been a backup the whole time, and he's played a little bit here and there. But, you know, he, he's new as a starting quarterback. LSU's situation is you're going to have a new starter, no matter how you you, you look at it. Uh, and, in, in, and, you know, Nussmeyer played a little bit, but you're, you're talking about a lot of new there. McNeese has got a new quarterback. By the way, McNeese is going to be opening up Saturday as well on at 7 o'clock against Montana State. I don't even need – I hope McNeese wins. They're playing something that says Montana. So, I mean – I hope McNeese wins. I mean, I notice some people, old school UL fans, how, how can you pull for McNeese? Well, they're playing something that says Montana. So I'm pulling for McNeese. Um, but um, so, again, they new coach, and they, they got a lot of new there, a lot of questions to answer. And, again, we were talking about it with the Cajuns' opponent in, on Saturday in Southeastern where they got a huge shoes to fills literally and statistic wise with Cole Kelly um, and everything that they lost with him at quarterback. So a lot of new quarterback situations all around, you know, a lot of the college football fans around here this week. So we'll kind of keep an eye on that and see who does well. And again, guys get off to hot starts. And it's just one game. I get that, but, they're going to be – it's going to be almost – and we're going to talk a lot about this as the week goes on. But it's going to be – even for people who try to be sensible, who try to be 
level-headed, and try not to be so, uh, what do we call that, a prisoner of the moment. With all the questions and all the new thing, new coaches and new quarterbacks and new, you know, offensive linemen, and with all the newness, with the Cajuns, with McNeese, and with LSU, and it's going to be very difficult to not draw some pretty strong first impressions. And again, one game. This is college football. No preseason games. So I'm gonna. I'm telling myself that and y'all that, knowing that it's gonna be very. It's just. It's just human nature. It's gonna be very difficult to not draw some pretty strong major first impression impression conclusions of what we think of Chandler Fields and what we think of Coach Daz as the head coach and what do we think about the season and what do you think about, you know, Brian Kelly and 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 and, and you know McNeese when they're you know it's just it's just hard. It's gonna be hard because it's just one game. And we know that, and we're uh, next Monday when we meet next Monday here, coming off everybody's opener, you know, it'll be the day after LSU plays that night. We're going to say it's just one game, whether it's good or bad. We're going to say it's just one game, and yet a lot of people's impressions and thought processes about this season will be heavily impacted by what we see just it will be heavily. Imp- it's just human nature. It's hard to not be. But you just never know. Like, and I, I give to you the example of the Saints after one week last week, year. Things could not have gone better in playing that home game in Jacksonville. Crushed the Packers' little face. And then after that, nothing but calamity and bad news and injuries the rest of the way. I mean, just things could not have gone better in that first game, and they could not have gone worse after that. Well, I guess they could have gone worse. They could have had a losing season. They had a winning season, at least, even though they had the most injured team in the history of the franchise, statistically. They, you know, I guess you can't – it could have been worse. Because they could have not won nine games. That's possible. Very highly possible. Probably shouldn't have won nine games with all the injuries they had. But So it could have been worse, but it didn't go well. It was not a sign of things to come. Let's put it that way. So, again, it's Monday, so it's the perfect day. To, we're starting off a game week. Cajuns, Tigers, Saints don't play till the next week. They're just trying to kill me. Um and, and, and McNeese and all the other college teams that didn't play in week zero, like Nebraska. <laughs> Poor Nebraska. Oh. Um, you know, it's just something to remind yourself. It's one game. I'm going to say it ahead of time. But it's um, we're going to obviously draw a lot of conclusions. And if they go really well, people will be fired up. And if they... Play sloppy, they're going to be heavily concerned and probably with good reason, but it's still going to be just one game. So lots of eyes. I mean, this is what we've been talking about for months. 
you know, I mean, even before that, but, you know, once SEC Media Days got here, you look forward to this Saturday. Once Sunbelt Media Days got here uh, the next week, you look forward to this Saturday. For some people, been looking forward to that even way longer than that. The minute, you know, camp started, the minute last year's seniors left, and you knew, well, there was going to be a new quarterback. Man, what is that going to look like? Man, Dez is going to be the new play caller. What is that going to look like? Just so much. So it's going to be exciting, no question. I mean, I'd be great on some of these fronts. May lose, may play bad and win. Might need, you know, a punt return for a touchdown to win to cover up some sins on offense or defense. All that stuff's possible. But uh, it's going to be exciting to see. For, for sure, and we'll be talking more in detail about that. And then uh, we don't typically talk high school football until the front, but, man, like high school, some of these jamborees, like Eunice, they were supposed to play a jamboree Thursday, got canceled, and then they went to St. Landry Parish the next night. They were going to play again. Game got canceled. Um, because of some shots that were fired, and they're like, "Man, it's not in the cards for us to play a jamboree this year. Crazy!" And so, lots of high school teams with lots of newness. You know, some of them have new quarterbacks. A couple of them have new coaches. Not too many new coaches, but some. And uh, you know, every year it's kind of exciting to start out a new season. And we'll be talking more about. The schedule, I can tell you, the blockbuster game of the first week is that Katie Anna's playing at Lafayette Christian. And, of course, you can hear that game right here on our family of stations, Me TV FM 97.7 FM 1330 AM. And uh, go to the free mobile app. Download that this week. If you want to listen to the Wrecking Rams, they'll be playing the Lafayette Christian Knights should be in a very, you know, as big a game now that a lot of people don't put a lot of stock in the district play anymore, you could argue this is the biggest game the whole year in the Katyana area, potentially. You could argue that. And it's going to be Friday, right away on Friday night in week one. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Ooh, man. Got a few concerns with the Saints and the Astros, so it's always good to hear those fine tunes. Welcome back to Footnotes on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We've kind of set the stage for a big first week. I know there were some games played over the weekend and Jamboree plays games played at the high school level, but kind of a, the next week, a week from this Monday will be NFL weekend kicking off. But there'll be high school games that count Thursday and Friday. There'll be college games all over the country that count, especially Saturday and Sunday around here with the Cajuns and the Cowboys and the Tigers. And so we're kind of setting the stage for that. Tomorrow, we talked a little bit about it in the first hour. At 3 o'clock, NFL teams have to get their rosters down to 53. So the, the Saints 
as far as we know, and I guess it's possible they've already cut some people today, but uh, as far as I knew coming into today, there were 74 players still, so the Saints had 21 to cut. Abram Smith, if you did not hear, was one of those cuts. And so the Saints will be like many other teams, just scouring the waiver wire to see who was cut and see if there's someone who might be a veteran who's more of a cost-cutting measure or, uh, you know, they they just decide they're going to go younger at this position. Um, and we've, we've talked on this show for a long time about needing a running back, needing a running back. We did it again this morning. And now with the injury to Trevor Penning, you can add offensive tackle. You could even make the argument that offensive tackle is more important than getting a running back. And for right now, I might have to agree with you on that. Although, man, I, they you know they need obviously. It's easier probably in a one or two game situation to hide a, a mediocre running back than it is to hide a mediocre left tackle. I mean. You can get in big trouble in a hurry if you if you have a left tackle that just cannot get it done. Uh, and we talked about Landon Young. I don't know how comfortable he would be playing both ways or how ready, how comfortable the Saints would be at even playing him if they need to go that route. So it'll be um, could be some big news with the Saints over the next day or so. Not just so much with the cuts, although with that, but also with um, who they might be picking up. So it'll be. Very interesting to follow that. That'll do it. Appreciate all the phone calls. Y'all have a nice day.